Hello and welcome to Connected, episode 415. I almost said 300, but it's 415. It's made possible this week by our sponsors, Fitbod, Bombus, and Adid. My name is Stephen Hackett, and I am joined in person by Mr. Mike Hurley. Howdy, y'all. It's me, Mike Hurley, and I am joined, not in person, quite sadly, with Federico Vatici. Hi, Federico. Hey, guys. How are you? Pretty good. Yeah? Pretty good. Hmm. Got a big show today. So, Federico, this morning all the iPhone reviews dropped, yes. and I realized I'd forgotten that that was a thing that could have happened this week. Yes. Um, I, was, well, I was surprised. I was like, oh, yeah, iPhone reviews. Like, it wasn't even in my mind. Yeah. I mean, you would assume that the Apple Watch is next, like tomorrow or something. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, don't the Ultra doesn't ship till the 23rd. Yeah, so but Series 8, though. Series 8. Yeah, maybe Series 8 tomorrow and the Ultra next week. I think I can tell you already how the Series 8 reviews are all going to go. Just like the iPhone 14 reviews have mm-hmm. gone. Yeah, eh, this is fine. the same. A few weeks ago, we talked about the Weird Fish license plate that a listener had spotted in California mm-hmm. on a Tesla. And we assumed that it was all Weird Fish because the license plate read W-R-D-F-S-H-S. Weird Fishes. Weird Fishes. I'm giving Drew credit, but about 100,000 people told us... That's a lot of people. ...that... Weird Fishes could also be the uh, the song by Radiohead. I think it is more likely it's us than Radiohead. In California, on a Tesla, in Cupertino even, mm-hmm. it's us. I think it's more likely. We We're, haven't. We, I will say we have yet to hear from that person. We however. have not heard from that person. They may just be a couple of episodes Yeah, but the odds, they could be are, shy. the odds are in our favor with this one, I think. Why would you put a Radiohead so. license plate on a Tesla in California instead of a connected yep. joke? Like, I just don't get it. I have a question for the two of you. Mm. This is not a quiz, by the way. I feel like I should preface that. Well, you don't... So I I very purposefully put my buzzer away. (laughs) You don't have a buzzer today to to start the quiz. (laughs) No, there's no quiz. Uh, Do you like Radiohead? (sighs) That's a tricky question. Same. Same as Federico. (laughs) Tricky question. I can provide you with a shield here if you like before you answer. Mm. I have twice in my life walked away from Radiohead headlining festivals. I was at the festival, Radiohead came on, and I left because I don't have any feelings for Radiohead. So this this is now protection for the two of you. Very complicated feelings here. I really like some songs. I somewhat like OK Computer. I really like um, Fake Plastic Trees and High and Dry on the bands, the album. Yeah, but it's my problem is the overall vibe that Radiohead give off. I like, can't. I don't want to be sad for two yeah, hours. Yeah, it's like, like. I mean, I know you two love being sad with Death Cab. Well, my, maybe uh, everybody just needs one sad. But that's band. a different kind of sad, really. Like Death mm. Cab is mm-hmm. like indie sad, which is acceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, Radiohead is British sad, which is a, a whole other level of sadness. Like. In, in, in the context of like Radiohead, it's like some dudes from America are sad, which in and of itself is kind of funny when you think about it. Like, oh yeah, some dudes from America are sad. <laughs> like, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of fu- it's kind of cute in a way. But you know, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Look, that's how I feel. I'm just sharing my feelings here. Um, I love it. I want but them. Radiohead are like really sad, you know. And it's like, geez, yep. man, like it's that bums me out. You know? And so yeah. that's how I feel about Radiohead. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. There are a couple of songs that I really like, but 
I don't ever want to put myself in that experience for a long period of time, and that includes listening to an album. Stephen, I don't think you fully answered. I, actually, my thoughts align with Federico's. It's a different kind of sad, not yeah. my type of sad. Death Cab does have a new album out on yes. Friday, though. Right. Federico and I have been texting a lot yes. about it. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. We're excited. Yeah. I have no doubt. We're actually not doing the podcast-a-thon. It's just going to be a Death Cab uh, a album Cab listening party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The whole time. And I mean, like, would you go to a Radiohead concert and, like, what? clap your hands or like jump no you would just be there no you just stand there and cry <laughs> you just hug the person next to you yeah <laughs> yeah hold me tom york is crying again we have some calax follow-up this was sent in by our friends uh, at the mostly retired simple beep podcast they do an episode occasionally and they have a twitter account and they have a twitter account where they mostly troll me i feel like uh, but a Twitter user named Michael Engel had this uh, tweet with a uh, a two by two Calax, like the little little Calax buddy, mm-hmm. and they stuffed it full of Next Cubes, and then as well. Simple Beep sent it to me. It works really well for that. My Next Cube is right there. You can see it. Oh yeah, it's not in a Calax though, obviously, because Stephen hates that. That is an IKEA shelf though. It doesn't matter. It's not a Calax, is it? It's just a shelf. There's a Calax right there. Yeah, you hate it. It's in the other room now. Yesterday, Federico, when we were in the other room, Stephen kicked the Calax to prove that he didn't he like it. it. It's not wow. true. He kicked no, it. No, I didn't. He's like, ugh, Calax. And he in kicked front it. of it. It does have your face all over it. <laughs> in front of me, yeah. I was like, buddy, I don't need to see this. He's like, yeah, you do. <laughs> wow. I hate this thing. And then he kicked it. Wow. It's weird. It was really weird. <laughs> it's so weird. Weird, thing really to weird. Do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, obviously, other parts to follow up. Did we all successfully place our product orders? Yes, eventually. I was beyond successful. Yes, please tell me more. I ordered three iPhones for two people. <laughs> and how many of them did you get at the time you wanted? Uh, <laughs> so I I ordered a phone for you yep. and me for p- pickup Friday morning so we could have them for the podcast-a-thon. I, on my phone, was going to apply a trade-in for my 13, but that somehow kicked it out of the in-store pickup queue had it for delivery. Now, it was on the first day, but uh, we're going to be live for eight hours on a show that day, so I can't be here to wait for UPS. And so about six hours later, I could go in and cancel the delivery. Uh, So you, Mike, your phone, I'm picking up Friday morning, and I'm picking my phone up Saturday morning. It's the closest I could get. Although I'm going to beg and plead Friday morning to let them get mine. Yeah. I don't think they'll let me. You should, I don't know, say I was a genius. Don't you know who I am? Don't you know who I am? You should try using that. This... Don't you know who I am? I am Federico Vatici. <laughs> I have shortcuts to run. So Stephen, once again, uh, did not place his order correctly, but luckily did not mess up my order in the process, which I'm very happy about. Because there were actually two separate orders. Because yep. when you save a device for pre-order, I couldn't put the other one in the bag, so there's mm-hmm. separate orders. But uh, what about you, Federico? Do you have anything coming? I got the new AirPods Pro coming. Um, so I, I told you guys this before, like I never liked the stress of um, getting an iPhone on launch day. Like I, I started doing this years ago. It really helped with my, like, just because I know myself and I know how stressed out and anxious I get about this stuff um, with iPhones having to be delivered on launch day, something always happens. So years ago, it was mm-hmm. after the iPhone 10. I decided, you know, I'm not going to participate in this game anymore with the iPhones because I know that if I place a pre-order for an iPhone, something is going to go wrong. Like it's just bad karma that I have or something. So I stopped doing that. So I, I just got the AirPods 
And uh, the iPhone I will get eventually, like maybe next week or something, or I'll just walk into a store because they always have walk-in units available now. So whatever, I'll just walk into a store and get mm-hmm. one. But the AirPods Pro I, d- uh, AirPods Pro, I did uh, pre-order um, just because I was concerned that they were going to be back-ordered for months and I was not going to be able to find them at my local Apple store. And that in itself was an adventure because I was at, at the beach. I took a small break before the review. I was at the beach with one bar of 4G and everything was going very slowly and it was also giving me multiple errors. Like my payment yeah. failed twice. I yeah. did not get charged. Yes, I had this too. Thankfully. Um, but eventually I did manage to to get the AirPods Pro with the launch day delivery of September 23rd. So it took me 15 minutes, but it worked. So I tried to order AirPods Pro. I got the uh, Memoji engraving for fun. Oh, nice. Did you see that? Which one? So there's going to be a little Memoji mic on there, which is good. Nice. But I ordered it. It's The payment canceled. I ordered it again, and it went through. And then an hour later, I got two emails congratulating me for two separate purchases. I then canceled the one of the purchases, and now the date on my original purchase went from the 23rd to the 30th of September. I don't know why, but I'm not going to be around at home on the 23rd, so actually the 30th works best for me anyway, because I'm going to be at a wedding. So uh, I wouldn't have been around on the 23rd to pick them up. So the 30th will do just fine. But yeah, it seemed like just looking on Twitter too, there was like a lot of issues. It seemed like with the uh, purchasing this time, especially in the UK, I was seeing a lot of people really struggling with actually trying to make purchases. So, you know, still haven't got that right. You know, Mm -hmm. still getting it messed up. I have some breaking news. Okay. Straight hot off the presses. iOS 16.1 beta one is out. So... (laughs) oh okay and i am so maybe we'll find out something uh stage manager 2 is now shipped in ios 16.1 is that not ipad 2 federico well i'm checking the ipad now surely it's got to be right when you just ship ios 16.1 that'd be weird well well but it'd be sus it'd be super sus if there was no ipad beta if there's an ios beta Let's see. Oh, of course, the iPad is still connected to the Wi-Fi, which is not working today. So, let's see. Mm-hmm. Can I freeload Sylvia's iPhone with tethering? While Federico's doing that, <laughs> Stephen, do you want to talk about why we're here? Yes, we are here because in just a couple of days, on Friday, September 16th, Mike, you and I will be hosting the fourth annual podcast-a-thon for St. Jude. We raise money... All through the month of September for St. Jude, St. Jude is a, a hospital, a research institution that treats kids with cancer from around the world without regard for their family's ability to pay. So what that means is that you get the world's best care and the best research and the best doctors, the best treatment without having to worry about paying for it, which is an amazing thing for those of us here in the U.S. But it's well beyond the U.S. St. Jude's reach is all around the world. Uh, I, I wanted to tell uh, a story about volunteering today. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've if you've ever been in a hospital, you know that can be pretty overwhelming, right? You've got to kind of figure out where everything is. You got to like know where the cafeteria is, know where to do paperwork. That's in addition to all the medical stuff that's going on, of course. And one neat thing is about St. Jude is that they really work hard to smooth down all those rough edges that you may experience in other hospitals. So, in the cafeteria. They have uh, volunteers during 
the lunchtime. And so if you're there with your kid or multiple kids or your hands are full, you can have somebody help you navigate the cafeteria and like hold your tray and get stuff for you. Uh, you're not paying for your meal because you're on campus, which is really cool. You know, it's just a, it's just a little thing, right? It's like, mm-hmm. oh, let's have some volunteers in the cafeteria. When your hands are full and you're exhausted, it is amazing to have someone just help you for a couple of minutes. It's really cool. And the people that that fill those sorts of roles at the hospital are just amazing. The research, the treatment, all of it is possible because people like us donate. And so we do this every year. You want to go to stjude.org slash relay. There you can donate directly to our campaign. You can also set up your own campaign. Mike, you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so if you want to, you know, if, you've, if you've been thinking like, hey, I want to do more, or maybe you don't have the money to donate yourself right now, or maybe you just want to get some cool exclusive Relay FM merchandise, when you go to stjude.org slash Relay, you can sign up to be a fundraiser. You can then share the link, the page that you create with your community, with your friends, your family, and you can have them donate to St. Jude as well. If you, do, if you sign up to fundraise and you raise at least $1, uh, you will get an exclusive Relay FM St. Jude Limited Edition Challenge coin. If you raise over $250, you will get an exclusive Limited Edition Mike and Steven head desk mat for your own desk so you can make it look incredible slash really weird for as long as you want. But the real important thing is all of the money that you raise goes to St. Jude. It goes to further the cancer research that they do. It goes to further the work that they do in saving the lives of children in the U.S. and around the world and sharing their research. But also one of the great things about fundraising is you're able to get the message of our campaign out to people that wouldn't otherwise listen to our shows. So it's all additional money, no matter how much or how little you're able to raise. If it's $10, that is $10 we would never see otherwise. We currently have over 150 people that have signed up to do fundraising. Thank you so much to every single one of you. There's so much incredible creative stuff. And we really urge our listeners to do the, to do the same. If you haven't yet, go to stjude.org slash relay. Find out more about donating. Find out more about fundraising. And the, I think the biggest thing we'll ask you to do is to put on your calendar... This Friday, September 16th, 12 to 8 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time, twitch.tv slash RelayFM will be the fourth annual podcast of Home for St. Jude. We have eight hours of programming set out for you, tons of hijinks, tons of fun stuff. Federico's going to join us. We're going to do a connected quiz as part of the podcast of I think it's within the first hour, so make it sure is. you're there from the beginning. If you want to catch that, I have a really fun quiz planned for the, these two gentlemen. But we have stuff planned for the whole day. I mean, Stephen are going to be there in person together. We're so excited, and we really, really hope that you'll join us and tune in for at least some of it. But we'd love all of it. stjude.org slash Relay to find out more about everything. Twitch.tv slash RelayFM for the podcast. As we record this, we're getting ready to break $200,000 raised this year, which is awesome. So thank you for those of you who have donated, and we will see you uh, online during the Mm podcast-a-thon. So we're here for St. Jude, but uh, I've also roped you into some projects around my house yep uh federico me and steven changed the garage door opener together when you say me and steven like how much was you how much was steven i held some tools yeah and i also consulted i consulted on wiring placement okay so you held some objects and you answered a question i pressed some buttons okay I don't know why you're treating me this way. <laughs> this is this is an unnecessary attack that I'm getting from you right now. I'm being cyberbullied. I was there. I helped. Okay. Okay. That's nice. How did it feel? I mean, I didn't I didn't screw anything or like drill anything. 
But I don't think Stephen would have let me if I would have asked, to be honest. Would you? Maybe. No, he wouldn't have. Let's be real. He wouldn't have done that. Who trusts me? Federico, <laughs> would you trust me to start drilling things well, in your house? Look, I don't, don't think exactly so. picture you as a handy person with these things. Although you you are handy with the keyboards, I should say. Yeah, electronics. I could, I could solder anything. I've never seen you drill a hole in a wall or do the more... I've done it. You've done it. Is the wall okay? I've done it. My, my, my apartment, I've drilled things into the wall. Okay. So maybe this is my thing. So we're hoping to move this year. And when we move, I'm like maximum handy is what I'm going for. Nice. Mm. Meanwhile, I spoke to Adina about me just coming over for a couple of weeks and doing things for you. I was not keen about how excited she was at the prospect of bringing Stephen over to do a bunch of projects. <laughs> I mean, she was like really into that as an idea of like, oh, that's a great idea. Stephen should come over for a few weeks and fix a bunch of stuff for us. And the whole time yeah, I'm like, which says, I wanted to do that. Uh, says it's kind of sad about your right? situation. Yeah, it's not good, is it? That's not good. She jumped at that. She was like, oh, what a great idea. <laughs> she was like really into it. Mm, okay. Yeah. And it's like, I'm standing right here. <laughs> like, I'm, yeah. I'm right next to you. But hang on. How it'll play out is you'll be doing something and she'll just like FaceTime. be texting, yeah. FaceTime or text me back. Hey, please tell him how to do this. Yeah. Hey, oh, well, you just learned from YouTube or your dad. So I'll learn from you. You're like my dad. Yeah, kind of. Thanks, daddy. I don't like that. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So what we did, we uh, we put a, a Miros home kit kit, I guess, a home kit thing uh, onto my garage, so I can see when the garage door is up and down. Home I can kit. open open home it remotely, mm-hmm. and uh, it doesn't require like Raspberry Pis and stuff like other people's setups. Real mm-hmm. clean, easy to do. Uh, so thank you for the help, Mike. Anytime. It worked really well. It did. It worked the first time. Every time. This episode of Connected is made possible by FitBod. We all balance work, family, and everything else we have going on. It can be hard to make fitness a priority. What you need is a program that works with you, not against you. That's why you need FitBod. Its algorithm learns about you, your goals, and your training ability, and will craft a personalized exercise plan that's unique to you. Their app makes it incredibly easy to learn exactly how to perform each exercise. They have these videos so you can see a, a professional trainer lifting the weights or doing the movement so you know you're doing it correctly. I really like that. It, may, it gives me confidence that I'm not going to do something I shouldn't. Personal fitness is not about competing with other people. You don't want to look to others and try to stack up against them doing what they do. What you need is something that works for you. That's when it sticks and that's when you'll see the results you're looking for. FitBod uses data to create and adjust your dynamic fitness plan, so you'll have instant access to your own personalized routine in their fantastic app, so you can make progress on your goals from anywhere. I've been using FitBod all year. I really like that it is growing with me, so as I move further down the road of my fitness journey, uh, it is uh, ratcheting up the difficulty and the complexity of the exercises I'm doing uh, based on what I have done. I really like the personalization. FitBod makes sure to learn from your last workout, so your next one will be even better, whether you work out twice a day or twice a week. FitBod even tracks muscle recovery, so you get this balanced plan with a variety of exercises, so you're not overworking anything. The app is simple to use. It recently got updated with a fantastic new design. I mentioned the video tutorials. I really love those. They're shot from multiple angles, and it integrates with the Apple Watch, Uh, Wear OS, and apps like Strava, Fitbit, and Apple Health. Personalized training of this quality can be expensive, but FitBot is just $12.99 a month or $79.99 a year. 
But you, dear connected listener, can get 25% off your membership by signing up at fitbod.me slash connected. So go and get your customized fitness plan. That's fitbod.me slash connected, and you get 25% off your membership. One last time, that's fitbod.me slash connected for 25% off. Our thanks to FitBod for their support of the show and Relay FM. For it is time, as the prophecy foretold, that Federico Vitici would publish his iOS 16 review. It is done. How do you feel, Federico? I'm feeling very good. I'm feeling very happy, yeah. actually. Um, it, it went it went really well. Better than I expected. Well, it went better than I expected. I had yeah. a feeling slash I was hoping that it would do better, but still seeing it actually perform better with real numbers and results, it's heartwarming. So, yeah, yeah I'm really happy. Uh, I would like to ask you a bunch of questions if sure. i may yes kind of about the review itself and about some of the content okay. because you know like you we're not going to hear like talk about ios 16 in every specific feature like people should read your review for that and you did a good job recapping a bunch of stuff on app stories mm-hmm. as well so we're not going to ask you to repeat a bunch of things but i wanted to kind of talk through some stuff one because i have finished your review nice which is that is a personal record for me. It's faster when, than when I was doing the audiobook. <laughs> I've read I read it in two days, which I think is I think a testament to the review itself in this way. Like I am just really happy that you did whatever it is that you did that made it a combination of both shorter but also easier to read in a way that I can't explain, but maybe you know what I mean. Yeah, that was very. Uh, it was very deliberate, and it and it and it's been really hard for me to do that because me personally, I tend to have you know I have a tendency to to talk a lot, especially about things that I like. Um, yeah. I mean, you guys know this. Like, I can just go on and talk about every single detail of every single thing that I like um, because I'm very passionate. We are enthusiasts. Like, that's our whole thing, mm-hmm. right? And it's like you were just enthusiastic. Yes. Like, so you, you talk a lot about it. When I have an opinion about something that I don't like, I'm equally passionate about that. And so and I mm-hmm. like to complain, you know, to really explain why something is wrong or not designed well. Um, but the, the thing that I realized over the years, this is a conversation that we had multiple times, um, that, that my nature as a tech observer, reviewer, uh, was not helping the review as a product, essentially. Um, Because people don't like something that is too technical or too long or too, you know, bogged down by a lot of details and a lot of personal opinions. So over the past couple of years, I, I, I really feel like this process... It's something that I realized two years ago that I started doing last year and that hopefully I was able to refine uh, this year much more. Um, trying to make the review more compact by doing more work up front when it comes to picking and choosing the topics and the length of the topics and being more selective with the developer-related features that I talk about. 
But even when I do have some more technical topics, the style in which I present them and, and the extent to which I talk about them also needed to be more compact. And that was the like the first thing I did in June was like sit down and be like, okay, I really need to understand what are features that people, not my developer friends, not that I don't care about those, but like if I want to have more people discover this kind of writing and enjoy this kind of writing. I, I, I just have to stop here because it made me really made me laugh. It's not like, I don't, hey, developers, it's not like I don't care about you. But no, <laughs> yeah, I know. But like, here's the thing. Because even even the guys and, and the people who are into that, that kind of stuff, like you just said, Mike, maybe, you know, on a bunch of times, maybe you skipped a few chapters or you just never finished yeah. the thing. And I want you to finish the yep. thing because I think it's important yep. that you run through the whole story, right? So in June, yep. I was like, okay, I'm trying to be really deliberate here. Let me understand what are the things I must talk about. And that's hard because you need to imagine how things are going to go three months in advance. And the second thing, I mean, obviously there was also a, a, a like a, a <laughs> uh, it was necessary for me to do this this year because I just I knew that I was not gonna have the time so like the constraints that I had time-wise actually helped the creativity I think like knowing that mm. you know you're gonna be time limited and you're not gonna have the same time that you normally have but maybe that's something that you can use to your advantage and that helped me realize you know what I'm just gonna have fun and that's something that uh, it was rare for me. Uh, not that I don't like what I do, but like in previous years, and especially if five or six years ago, I always felt like this huge responsibility to be like, to have a more serious tone and be more solemn, you know, about some passages of the review. And this year I was like, you know what? I'm still going to talk about stuff in detail, and I'm going to be meticulous with my screenshots and my images and the kind of stuff that I want to have in footnotes. But I also want to chill out a bit. I want to have some fun. I, mm. I, I want to bring more of my jokes and, and silly things and personality into the review. Yep. And that was really fun to do. Like actually writing the thing, I had fun. And hopefully that transpires from, from the writing. Well, what this one felt like... so. I think one of the one of I've always enjoyed your reviews. Please do not take this the wrong way, right? Like I've always found great value in them. But like just look looking back at what you're talking about. You know, and I know you were doing this in previous years of like feeling like you must give full attention to every yep. piece. Right? Like that every little bit that goes into iOS needs full attention. Yep. And there's a few things that you've done that I think is better. One, you don't do it all anymore, right? And like you will have say John or Alex mm -hmm. write pieces or you've done them yourself, yeah. right? That you then to conduct link back in the review of like, there's this thing over here. It's not worth me getting into right now. I think the other thing is you have this iOS review feels like a longer Federico story. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So it feels closer to your iPhone reviews or your iPad reviews. Like it, it in tone, feels more like your hardware reviews than your operating system reviews, which took a little bit more of a 
simple, like like a like a a, a serious tone or like a more flat mm-hmm. tone to them yep. before, if that makes sense. Where this just felt like you, like it just had more of your personality in it, in a way that your longer articles that you've written in the past did too. So I think that was like I really kind of like just was much more engaged with it because I felt like I was getting more of your opinion yeah. on things rather than like, this is how everything works. That works better for me. I like it more that way. That's great to hear. That's great to hear because something that I, it's not that I don't like it, but like when people refer to the, to the reviews as manuals or guides and they're not meant to be that exactly. And I mean, I, I, I get it how you can, you know, use it as a guide but I don't want to present it as such. And so having more of my opinion in it. And look, this is just the kind of person I am, right? I, I make stupid jokes and I get upset about te- technical details. And like, I, I, you know, even in real life, like I, I almost, you know, having, you know, doing jokes, even in the more darkest situations, just it's always like my way to cope with things. Like I've always been this way. And so like, I guess I'm just going to bring me into the story. And and if it works, great. If it doesn't, at least I had fun doing it, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that that was, um, you know, having the time constraint helped sort of put myself in that kind of vibe, but also splitting the review. Um, I was very concerned initially about like, oh gosh, what am I going to do? Split iOS and iPadOS? But, you know, and I had this thought in the back of my mind, be like, but the people are not used to this. And then I realized, you know what? Maybe the people have gotten used to a unified review and now they're going to get used to something else, you know, because things change. Yeah, I think the split makes it more approachable. I mean, yep. just looking at the the number of iPhone users who would be interested in this versus iPad. Yes, yes. Right. You you have made something not split. only shorter and I think I think better, but also in a way more universal because it's, it's more narrow, yeah, if smart. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, everyone... You know, probably everyone that has an iPad by and large cares about the iPhone review. It's not the other way exactly. around. Right. Yep. And this way, it, I think, I genuinely think it's better for everyone, as Stephen said. It's better for it's better for you. Mm. I mean, provided you're happy to do another one, right? Like, that's the, I don't know if it's the downside for you, but you've got like an amount of weeks and you've got to go back into this mm-hmm. again. Like, I don't know how you feel about well, that. Well, it's going to be different. Um, because I, I feel like w- with this approach, I think I'm leaning toward a different direction, meaning I feel like every year the iOS review will be, will be the, how can I describe it? I feel like the iPadOS review will be a software version of my I- iPad hardware reviews, meaning it'll be a more specialized and it'll still be fancy with the layout and, and the extras and all the things. But I feel like iOS is the main one. 
right? Even if you look at like design mm-hmm. design changes or like some key some key interactions, like I'm not gonna talk about the the live text changes or the drag and drop the yeah. subject of yeah. a photo thing in the iPad OS review, you know? Like I'm the iOS review because it's the foundational platform that will still be the main event. At least that's how I'm picturing mm-hmm. this thing right now. The mm-hmm. iPad OS review will be like a like a special extra, you know. Uh, so it, it'll obviously be shorter because like a lot of the core yeah. features I already covered, like Safari changes I already covered. I can talk about the right. design of Safari on the iPad, like that kind of stuff I will cover. But going back into it, I'm I'm leaning toward that approach, and I feel like splitting the review actually helps me work this way, meaning that in the iOS review, I was able to just focus on the iPhone, on the consumer aspect. What are people going to do with iOS? With the iPadOS review, I don't need, I, I will not need to fit, that was always one of my problems. I won't have to fit a big overarching theme that encapsulates both iOS and iPadOS. No, I'll just write a review from an iPad user's perspective for other iPad users. I I won't need to fit the iPad into this bigger vision behind a single story. That's the iOS review. In iOS, I will talk about iPhone, iOS, what it means for consumers. iPadOS, I will talk Mm -hmm. about the iPad, what it means for iPad people. And I'm just going to... I feel like this gives me more freedom. It's actually like you could... You can kind of more hyper-focus for each one, right? Where, like, the iOS review, as you say, is, like, big and broad. But in the iPadOS review, you can get really, like, just, I'm writing this for iPad people, right? Which is, like, you can, I think I can imagine from what you're saying that you can, like, hyper-focus on, I'm writing this for people that work on their iPads. Like, that's what this is for, this review. And And I think in a way that you could talk about it more, nerdily than you would if it was a chapter in the iOS review, maybe. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I think that's exactly the right approach. I don't know. I just, I'm very optimistic about it. And and I feel like um, it'll give me more freedom to really go down into the details of iPadOS and stage manager and how all the things work while still having that kind of approach where there's going to be chapters, there's going to be sections. I'm going to be talking about all the other things mm-hmm. uh, like, I do, like I do in my iOS review. Um, but, but what I think really matters here is that I'm not feeling exhausted. I'm not feeling burned out, which was always the Good. case before. And, and I'm actually feeling yeah. very mm-hmm. energized at the moment. Uh, I want to switch gears a little bit because I, I know we've talked a lot about the, the design elements of the review you always go through and make a lot of screenshots i feel like this year there's more video or gifs than ever can you tell us a little bit about that angle of things and maybe how it's changed so i always feel like um we live in the age where most reviews these days they happen on youtube and what used to be called tips and tricks are now tiktoks right (laughs) which is not something i do Uh, i still prefer the written content i'm old school maybe i'm getting old and it's fine but i really like to have my collection of text and and written material that i can look back years from now and just actually look at it and it you know i can print it out if i want and it's something but i know that the written word only goes so far in terms of showing you what i mean and so screenshots have always been a huge part of of the review um 
just because you need the visual reference, right? And and I know that, you know, because I see it and I hear from people who, who you know, annotate the review and, you know, they actually take screenshots of the review and they send them out to relatives or, you know, parents to tell them, hey, here, here's how you do this thing. Um, so, which, you know, goes back to the idea of I'm fine with people using it as a guide, but that, you know, uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to think about it as a guide myself. Um, so, yeah, increasing the number of images and also being more um, relaxed about it. I don't know if you guys noticed, but um, I was able to let go finally of my obsession for having always a full battery in my screenshots and having always, you know... Federic, I did not know this. I, 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 did, I don't think I remember that that was a thing that you cared yeah. about. <laughs> look, I had... I, I, look, it's... Yeah. I had some unhealthy habits um, that I... And it's, it's one of those things like nobody asked me to do it. Nobody told me or forced me to do it. I just... Uh, I, I made up this rule like, oh, your screenshots are going to be ugly if the battery is at 60%. And this year I was like, you know, who cares? Like, I'm still going to show you the feature. I'm still going to... And this is how people use their phones. Like, it's not supposed to look Mm. like a fake Mm. thing. Um, So that saved me a lot of time. And, you know, having the videos and and the... I don't think I have an animated GIF, actually. I think I have looping videos. Uh, But yeah, I mean, same same thing, essentially. and I asked Sylvia to take to record a video of me using the video player just because I felt like, you know, I can write about the gestures that you can have in the video player, but I still want to show you what I mean. When I talk about the acceleration of your finger mm-hmm. on the video player, I was like, Sylvia, can you hover over me and take this video of me using the video player? <laughs> so, so we did that. Um, <laughs> So yeah, but that was good though. I had no idea the video player could do the the like gestures. Yeah, skipping. yeah, yeah me neither. Good. I read I, it. I, I never would have known this. I read it and I got my phone in my pocket and I found a video to do it. I was like, oh, look at that. See, that's the problem. <laughs> like, this is one of those things where like you made a great point that they like they basically modeled it after YouTube, which I I would don't think I would have realized. But a big play button, uh, play pause in the middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then like YouTube doesn't have this cool feature. But yeah, I had no idea that was a thing. So that was definitely a worthy video. Oh, thank you. Um, and so yeah, that that visual approach, which I think is also going to come in handy with iPadOS, just because of how things are <laughs> shaken out on that front. There's, I think people are gonna need some some visual reference when it comes to explaining Stage Manager and what it does. So yeah, that's uh, and and I've also tried to be more liberal with you know. Um, I actually did this last year. I continued to do what I started last year. Footnotes only used for really obscure references or jokes and more of those mm-hmm. like little informational boxes, the ones with the blue background um, used uh, throughout yeah. the, the review to point out, hey, here's this funny bit of information that maybe it's useful to you. And, you know, that kind of style, like that, those kinds of uh, call-outs in the story, that's one of the things that I that I am personally uh, planning for for the next version of the website uh, to have more of those like features, uh, not just for tips but mm-hmm. for other types of callouts. So mm-hmm. yeah, so yeah, um, you know, trying to use media uh, as as a, something that's that adds to the story 
not that complements the story, which may sound similar, but it's different. Like use screenshots and videos as something that, you know, that adds to what I also wrote so that the two of them can go together instead of being just like, hey, here's a bunch of screenshots, you know. It didn't feel like there was just like screenshots of everything. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, which I think is what you're saying, right? Like there isn't really a lot of help in just like, here's a screenshot of every single thing I'm talking about. Yes, yes. And what you said a few minutes ago about um, being okay with delegating certain apps or features to other people. There was one guy, it's always one guy, on Twitter who was up, no, on Reddit. Uh, people on Reddit have been so nice about the review, which was also surprising. But there was the one guy who's like, huh. no, this is... Uh, BS, uh, this is not a comprehensive review because he, he, he didn't write about some apps and linked out to some other articles. And there was another guy <laughs> in a reply who said, yeah, he literally linked out to, <laughs> to other stories on his own website, <laughs> which I thought was funny. It's like, he's linking you to some other <laughs> article, yeah, on the same website. Um, but that, for me, <laughs> it, it was actually really Has hard. Has he used a website before? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually really hard for me to let go of that and to accept that. Yeah. But this year, because look, I think we all know, like I, with these things, I'm a control freak. With a lot of things mm. um, for Mac stories, I'm a control freak. And I'm trying to be less yep. of that if possible. Yep. Um, but for the review in particular, I think it was the like maybe last year, and but for sure this year, I came to the realization that, how can I say this in a way that doesn't, oh, whatever. John Syracuse had it easy with macOS. It's impossible to do a comprehensive review of iOS these days. Like, it, uh, first of all, it is literally impossible for someone like me, because I live in Italy, and a bunch of features are impossible for me to test. Like, oh, why didn't you write about right. Apple Pay Cash? Yeah. Well, go figure why I didn't write about Apple Pay Cash, uh, because I can't use yeah. the thing. But, like, <laughs> the problem is iOS, it's such a, like, it, it's a sprawling operating system. And that yeah. a single person can do it all in three months, like, if you want to try that, be my guest. I tried and it was incredibly unhealthy for me. So letting go of that like mindset of I need to cover every single little thing. No, no. I, I, and, and look, but that's where the difficulty is. Like when I mentioned at the beginning of this topic, being deliberate about the things you choose to write about and why? Like, it's not a coincidence that I asked John to write about Apple Mail because I knew that John was going to really test the thing, uh, especially on, on, on macOS, which I was not going to do anyway. And like all the intricacies of sending messages for later, for example, when your Mac goes to sleep, like John was able to do that. And also John sends a lot of emails every day, more than I do because he deals with sponsors and I don't. So... That it's not like a random thing. It's like, hey, John, I don't know, grab an app from the basket and you write about it. And it's like, <laughs> I actually put some thought into assigning the stories. And that's difficult for two reasons. One, it's got to make some sense <laughs> in, the, in the narrative of, of the review. And two, if you are a control freak like me, it's hard to let go. 
And so, yeah, um, overall, I, I think I did a pretty good job. And for the first time ever, the review is below 30,000 words, 20, 27K. Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm proud of it. Um, and I'm really happy. Good, good. And it wasn't like it was a small iOS release, right? So like, no, <laughs> it would be easy to hit thirty thousand if there wasn't a lot to talk about. But there actually was quite a lot to talk about. I mean, obviously, it was made easier for you in that there are some features that aren't shipping yet uh, that you haven't been able to test, and like iPadOS has been cut out. But I think that was a really good thing to keep it shorter, and it really did feel shorter. Like I was just able to breeze through the thing like it worked great mm -hmm. so my review of federico vatici is good thank you thank you i have a good review of federico vatici <laughs> 10 out of 10 i appreciate it and the, I, i'm gonna write about this in mac stories weekly on friday but the thing i wanted to mention here is that i didn't change it from last year um i s used obsidian and the same structure that i had last year with splitting chapters into multiple files and splitting um, apps also into multiple documents and compiling everything at the end. But the thing I want to point out is that in previous years, and look, my, my brain is a complex place sometimes. It came to a point <laughs> five or six years ago when I can... And look, this is going to sound so stupid, but we're talking about this stuff, so why not? It's like therapy. It, it got to a point where I almost felt like my setup was part of the event for some people. And some people were like, oh, I can't wait to see how he was able to get it done. And so, like, I mm -hmm. felt like an obligation to not let the people down and surprise them every year with, like, a crazy new uh, shortcut or system or whatever that I had in mind. Like, yeah, yeah I'm going to up my game once again and show you how... You know, I got it all done. And again, that's not very healthy, you know, because like I already try apps for a living. But for this kind of project, having to switch how I get it done because that's a thing in itself, it's kind of silly. So I hmm. stuck with something that I knew, that I knew that was going to work well for me. There are some tweaks and some changes that I, you know, that, that I brought that I'm going to talk about. But like, if you're, if you're thinking, oh, I can't wait to see what is done this time. No, <laughs> it's, it's the same as last year with some small modifications. But I guess the, the lesson here uh, would be if you have something that works for you and nobody's forcing you to change it, keep using it. It's fine. So it sounds obvious, I but again... Do have it's easy to fall into that trap of like, oh, people are oh, expecting yeah. from me to surprise them all the time. And uh, yeah, maybe some of them are, but also I don't want to. It's, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it was better for me to just, you know, I'm going to kick open Obsidian and start writing and I don't need to fiddle around and change things and revolutionize, revolutionize things again. Did you write mostly on the Mac or the iPad? iPad. Okay. Almost all of it, actually. Because yeah. I've been thinking we should at some point follow up on your... Yes. Right? Yes, yes. at some point I'm, we should. Yeah. But like the, the, the summer is a really... Be like in the summer, 
it's really hard for me to use macOS because like I need to test yeah. iOS and iPadOS and I need to live with yeah. them. Uh, which is making the iPadOS side of things a bit tricky because now the new beta came out and from my very like 30 second experimentation with it while Steven was doing the sponsor uh, before, it does seem like they brought some stage manager fixes, especially for dealing with okay. Windows. But like, again, how long was the spot? Like two minutes. So that's how long I played with it. Um, but at the moment... I have no idea what I'm going to do for the iPadOS review in the sense that like I have a structure, I have a table of contents. I know that I'm going to be writing about toolbars and, you know, some layout changes and all that kind of stuff. But like I haven't used stage manager because so far it's been buggy and, and problematic for me. So mm. we'll figure it out in the next month. But the idea is, well, I will do it with the same attention to a healthy um, approach, you know? Like, I, I don't want to mm-hmm. get into arguments with my family and friends. And like, you know, because, you know, I, I have a house now and we're still dealing with, you know, stuff around, a lot of stuff around the house. So I'll do it on my own terms, I guess, will be the conclusion of all of this. One thing I've seen a lot of people talking about iOS 16, of course, is the lock screen and the widgets. And a lot of folks have talked about wanting more widgets than what Apple's given us. Apple's given us five spots, one above the time, four below. And uh, I'm curious what the two of y'all think about wanting uh, wanting more than that. So here's my thing. I don't necessarily think I want another line, but why are there no stacks? Why don't we have stacked lock screen widgets like we do home screen widgets? Hmm. That's a great question. Personally, I fall on the side of I would love to have a second row. I think anything more than a second row, even on a big iPhone, would be a little too much. But Mm -hmm. I wonder if there's a performance consideration here to keep in mind of like if you add basically double the amount of widgets and all those widgets in theory they could check for data every second i wonder if doubling the number of those widgets would cause you know battery drain or any kind of performance issue on the lock screen and i'm sure apple thought about this aspect but still i mean these things are so powerful like when they brag about like the trillion of operations per second that they can perform on a photo I'm sure you can find a compromise to have another row of widgets as well. So (laughs) I do understand (laughs) the potential angle of, oh, it's for performance. Sure. But it's like if there's a company that can squeeze out performance for four more widgets, I think Apple can probably do it. And they probably should. iOS 17, baby. There you go. (laughs) Another row of widgets. 18. It takes takes two years. No, they got it all settled now. Focus mode got way better year over year. They can, I have faith, they can do anything now. Oh, you have faith. Mm. Untouchable. You have faith. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, baby. One last lock screen question before we we wrap this up. The lock screen widgets are not part of the iPad. I know iPad OS isn't done. Your review is not done. But do you think it's a miss that they're not on the iPad? Yeah. Yeah, and I wonder if we're seeing a repeat of what happened uh, 
two years ago with home screen widgets like why are they not on the home screen and then they waited you know for the ipad for the following year and and i wonder if here's like why don't we have more widgets on the lock screen and the answer is they're gonna wait to bring them to the ipad and they're gonna have a whole you know new design where you can add more widgets because of the ipad lock screen and in return you will also get that option on the iphone it's like similar i have a hot take yeah. I don't think I want or care about lock screen widgets on my iPad. Interesting. It's not like my iPhone. Also true. Like also my true, iPhone yes. is in my pocket. I grab it. I look at it, put it away, right? Like I'm checking for notifications on my lock screen so I get the information. On my iPad, I'm never like, let me just quickly check my iPad. Like when I'm, when I'm doing something on my iPad, I am specifically trying to use it. Like I never really see the lock screen of my iPad. Like... I immediately just want it to be ready to go for me. And you can even see this in like the way the iPad works currently, which is as soon as it's authenticated, it takes you to the home screen, right? Like my iPad mini, I pick it up, I click the button and it just opens the iPad. Like that's how I imagine that product working. I wouldn't mind like the lock screen widgets on the iPad home screen as like a way to continue like, putting more information on there right because that could be kind of cool you could put a bunch at the top or something uh but i don't particularly feel like i would want them on the lock screen as such because i just never really think of my ipad that way yeah that's a good point that's also a good point and i wonder if maybe that's apple's perspective here of like the lock screen on the ipad you're just gonna see it for that split second when you're sitting down in front of it why would you you know mm -hmm. why would you i mean there's an argument there to be made maybe about an ipad mini and the lock screen sort of serving a similar purpose to an iphone but also i get i get what you mean so what's we'll in next year if they don't do it next year then it's, yeah. it's 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 exactly that argument of like yeah the lock screen on the ipad you're not you don't really spend time on it and so we're not gonna do it I kind of view it as like the login window on the Mac, you know, especially, yeah. and I think most people do use an iPad with some sort of cover or keyboard, keyboard case or something, yeah. right? So like you're opening it and using it as as more of a laptop type thing. So I could see why it's downplayed in importance, but I think it'd be a nice option at least. But it's like I could, I could imagine they would not do an always-on display on an iPad. Yeah. Right? Like it just doesn't, seem like the the route for that yeah at the very least the iphone is the most important place for this mm -hmm. this episode of connected is brought to you by bombas their mission is simple to make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated so when you buy bombas you're also giving to someone in need bombas designed their socks shirts and underwear to be the clothes you can't wait to put on every day everything they make is soft seamless tagless and has a cozy feel there's a pair of Bombas socks for everything you do. They come in tons of options, like comfy performance styles made with sweat-wicking yarns, which mean your feet stay cool while the rest of you works up a sweat. And their no-show socks are designed for comfort while being specially engineered to never fall down, so you can let your ankles be free to soak up the sunlight. Bombas t-shirts are made with thoughtful design features like invisible seams, soft fabrics, and the perfect weight so they hang just right. Bombas underwear is breathable, fits well, and has a barely there feel. I love Bombas stuff. My entire sock drawer is Bombas. Mike can attest I'm wearing Bombas socks right now. I'm looking at his feet, everyone. He's got Bombas socks on. That 
went a direction I didn't expect. You uh, can look at my feet. I got them on too. Yeah, you got them on too. See? Bomba socks are excellent, uh, comfortable, and they are great for working out. Your feet don't get hot. They don't get sweaty. I'm a big, big fan. And what's really cool is that Bombas donates one pair of socks, underwear, t-shirt for every item that you buy. Those are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters. And so far, Bombas customers like you have helped donate over 50 million items of essential clothing. That is so cool. So go to bombas.com slash connected and use the code connected for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash connected and the code connected at checkout. Bombas.com slash connected. Our thanks to Bombas for their support of the show and Relay FM. So with iOS 16, we've got a lot of app updates um, and I wanted to highlight some that I thought were interesting. Uh, this is by no means an exhaustive list. I will actually put in the show notes a pretty exhaustive list that 9to5Mac has put together of a bunch of apps. I know that Mac Stories has been covering a few and I've got some mm-hmm. links in for those as well. And I'm sure you've got more in the oh, hopper yeah. Federico, oh, yeah. like different apps and stuff that you want to cover. I have no doubt about that. They're in the app basket he mentioned earlier. Uh, Just yeah, ruffle around there. there and pick one out. <laughs> That's a good point. The app basket. Uh, but there was a few that I wanted to highlight because I thought there was just some interesting stuff. Uh, Lockflow is one that was on uh, Mac Stories that I saw, which is just basically a way to add a shortcut launcher to your lock screen. Yes, so cool. I imagine there's going to be a ton of apps that either this is their entire thing or this is like one of the things that they do. Um, Like I know that we'll talk about it in a bit, but in Widgetsmith, there's some URL stuff that you can do now as well. Um, So you could also use Widgetsmith or something like this. So basically tap any widget and it can open a URL uh, which actually goes with other stuff that Dave's done there's like a, I don't know if you guys have seen these but there's like a bunch of tools now in Widgetsmith so there's like sleep tracking in there there's activity stuff pedometer stuff my favorite is Dave put cow zones into Widgetsmith <laughs> it's the whole thing he just copy and pasted cow zones and just dropped it right in there so there's now uh, I think much better from my taste like time zone converter inside of Widgetsmith which is good because it ties in with my time zone converting widget that I've got um, but Lockflow is really nice. Is it using SF symbols to create the the icons, Federico? Do you yes, know? Yes, it is. Yes, it's a really nicely done app. It's a very like a nice, nice and simple one, and it does one of these things that I've seen before, where they give you a shortcut to help you make it. Yes, like which is just very always really weird and like but in like an interesting way we're like hey here's a shortcut that you can put in your shortcuts library that helps you create the thing yo so, dog yeah <laughs> shortcuts is how you shortcut. um widget smith as well uh there's tons of lock screen options right of as you could imagine dave has just got loads um and also but one of my favorite things about the new one is the new widget editor which looks a lot like the memoji editor yes like it's i think much more simplified and is way easier to make widgets. It's more visual. Like I think he's done a really good job with that. Um, so that's a good one uh, that I'm using. I'm using um, the pedometer one that comes from Widgetsmith on my on my lock screen. Fantastical has got a bunch uh, that I like. Um, I, I was happy I was able to replace the kind of the top one. Is it called Inline Federico? The the one that goes above the clock. Inline, yes. Yeah. So I use Fantastical there. And they're doing focus filter support, which I think you you liked a lot, right, TG? Yeah, that was one of the one of my favorite features. Surprisingly, because I I 
went into it thinking, oh, that's kind of neat, but really not for me. Uh, but the ability to like select the kind of content you want to see inside apps, I think it's super cool. And it gave me some so, some ideas for, you know, more practical focus modes that I want that I want to try myself. Yeah, I'm focus filters is one of these things where I'm like, maybe in a few months this will be good. Yeah, I think Fantastical's approach is really smart because they already had calendar set support where you could have like a weekend calendar set and it hides all your work stuff. And I think tying that like one level up to the focus stuff is really clever. But I agree with you. I think it's going to take some time for developers to kind of figure out where this works for them. You know, maybe James and uh, and Peacock, maybe on, on the weekends, you can't do complicated math. You can just do like simple arithmetic and then you can get your scientific calendar back Monday through Friday when you're at work. Just just an idea. Just mm-hmm. an idea. Just an idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, the focus filters thing, I think I need to see more apps that I use support it, and I hope that they will. Uh, Carrot Weather is obviously got tons of excellent uh, widgets with lots of um, customizability. More than 20 different widgets in Carrot Weather. Um, and also Carrot Weather, I do wow. want to mention, I know that we're not doing iPadOS 16, but the iPad layout of Carrot Weather is truly excellent now. Yeah, tell me about this, because I, I haven't used the new one yet. Yeah, so Brian added this uh, three-column layout uh, for the iPad uh, version of Carrot Weather, and it's of course it's totally customizable. So not only can you have multiple three-column layouts, right? It's like on the iPhone where you can have multiple mm-hmm. layouts. You can have multiple of these three-column layouts, but each column of the layout, you can have a custom module section, whatever, in it. And it, it's incredible because it really takes advantage of, of the iPad screen, especially on an iPad Pro in landscape. It's like it lets you build your own weather dashboard in a way, and it's really neat. And then, you know, you can switch between, you know, having a more complex dashboard with, like, all kinds of information displayed all at once across three columns or a more simple one. So every column is customizable, but you can also have multiple of these three-column layouts. Really well done. I wish more developers followed that approach, including Apple. But, hey, uh, it's hard to beat care weather for that kind of stuff. It's hard to beat Carrot Weather for a lot of things, honestly. It's such a good True. app, man. And, and, t- and Timery, I believe. Carrot Weather and Timery are yep. up there in like the Olympus of indie apps taking advantage of Apple's own APIs better than Apple does a lot of the times. So I don't think the Timery update's out yet, but it is really good. Not out yet, but it will be coming soon, yeah. The new Timery has got a bunch of cool stuff in it, as well as the, the lock screen widgets. But I think there's some bugs in... in uh ios that's making it a bit tricky i think for joe at the moment which is a shame uh but when it does come out i would also put that on this list because obviously i'm using it and i love it of course uh what else did i want to talk john flighty i haven't used these yet but i will use this on my way home i actually built a after reading federico's review i was like i should make more lock screens and tie them in my focus mode so i now have a travel lock screen i used the globe one i thought that looked pretty good right because it actually shows you where you are on the world so i use that yeah, one that's nice and i put the flighty um lock screen widget in there so what they're saying is that you it does live flight tracking and they have a little indicator of kind of how long you are into your flight and like a distance and it will work in airplane mode because flighty does anyway like it, as long as you've got the data in before you put your phone into airplane mode it just shows you how long you are into your flight it's really good so i'm really intrigued about that uh, and also you'll be able to see flight updates and stuff like that. So I'm going to try that one out. I'll let you know how that goes. 
Um, and I'm pairing that on that lock screen with Tripsy, which is one of my favorite apps for like planning trips and stuff. And they have upcoming activities. Also got an excellent iOS 16 update. Yeah, yeah it got a big update for iOS 16, Tripsy. Man, that's a great application. Like, I really recommend people try it out. I feel like it's a bit of a sleeper app, honestly. But like, if you take any kind of trip, I use it all the time. And they do really good sharing. So I pay for the app. But if you don't have a subscription, you can share a trip with somebody else and they can just see all of the information from the trip. I love that. Like, I love Tripsy. I've been using it for years now. They do like the whole, you can email your itinerary stuff and it puts it in the app for you. Like it gives you an email address that you can email it to. Like all that stuff's really good. Uh, I saw this app floating around today, Sticker Drop. Federico, can you tell people what Sticker Drop is? So Sticker Drop is kind of genius because it's this utility that lets you create a, a, an iMessage sticker or sticker pack even um, by using the iOS 16 feature that lets you lift the subject of a photo. Uh, that's the feature that, uh, you know, we talked about a couple of episodes ago. We're like, why did Apple build this weird and but admittedly funny feature? Why is it such a big deal in iOS 16, you know, that lets you drag out the subject of any photo and turn it into a PNG with transparency? Well, this is one potential scenario. There's this great line in John's review that I want to call out here because I really love that line. And I told John, um, where is it? John wrote, uh, today's weird API is tomorrow's clever app. That's such a, that's such a great John line. <laughs> Man, that John, that, that OTJ, he's got it going on. He's got on, the you know words, I mean? you know, he's, he's, he's a wordsmith. That's a really good line. He's the one true John's got it going yeah. on. Yes. Oh, nice, okay. Nice. Wasn't expecting that. Like Stacey's mom. <laughs> no, no, yeah. I got it. I just wasn't expecting you to sing. You don't usually, you're not usually the one of us that sings. Nice, nice, nice reference. Mm. Like that album, Stephen. So it uses the, so sticker drop. It uses that. It receives these. So you drag out the subject from photos or from Quick Look or whatever. You drop it into sticker drop. Sticker drop receives the PNG and it makes it into an iMessage sticker. Then you go to the Messages app. You tap on the sticker yep. drop button and your sticker is right there. So essentially, you can also do it from the share. So if you like, or you can do it from the share button. So yeah, you, you kind of just like tap the thing and it highlights and you let go and it comes pops up above, yeah. right? Copy and share. You press share and you can do it from the share extension. That's how I did it today when I made one. The deal with sticker drop is you spend $3 and you get infinite stickers, basically. Because then every photo that you have, provided that it supports the subject uh, isolation thing, or really any image from Google Images or whatever, like any image on the web, you just save it. Or maybe not, you can actually, can you drag out uh, subjects from images in Safari? I think you can. Then you just turn anything from the web into a sticker. So that's the idea. Uh, and I mean, that's one implementation of Apple's weird API. Why would you do it? I guess Apple was like, well, why not? You know, we're building this. My understanding is that Apple was like, okay, so we built this cool feature. This, um, and you know, actually like, allow me to, to take you guys on a bit of a tangent here. Um, one potential strategy that we could follow for future rikis, I learned this by doing research for my iOS review. We should look for clues in Apple's machine learning journal website. Because months ago, 
months ago, they wrote about their image segmentation technology. That image segmentation technology is what powers the new lock screen stuff for the subject that sits in front of the clock and the ability to lift the subject from any photo and drag it out and make it into a PNG. Like Apple wrote about this. I'm going to leave that one for you because I know I won't understand a friggin' word on that page yeah, <laughs> i just know it right guess, now but yeah. if you want to go and look for clues you go for it but i'm not going to yeah. understand what they're talking yeah, about yeah yes kate they they <laughs> have a what is it machine learning.apple.com or something like that and it's actually impressive because they put out all the technical uh, papers on the uh, yeah it's called the apple machine learning research um, page and they wrote about image segmentation so anyway, my understanding of this feature is Apple created this and they were like, okay, that's cool. We can probably use it for the iOS 16 lock screen because in iOS 16, that's going to be the key feature of the OS. And then they were like, well, we have it and it works. Why not let mm -hmm. people <laughs> do that in photos? Because it's funny and maybe they can do something with it. Like you build the tool without a clear purpose, but you let the people figure out the purpose, I guess would be the approach. And I mean, the people as an entity are doing it. You look We're at people. developers coming up with these ideas. You look at that, um, uh -huh. that TikTok video that Matthew Cassinelli tweeted out. I've, I've seen this like a hundred times today already, but it is really yeah, cool. And it's, and it's funny because Matthew's tweet of the TikTok is going viral. I wonder if the TikTok is viral too. It's, it's kind of weird how things spread these days. But like there's yeah. a there's a, a guy who's using the subject isolation feature to build up a collection of his outfits in notes. I mean that's 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 cool. So like sometimes you just build the technology and you hope for the best and you cross your fingers that people are not gonna use it in nefarious ways. Uh, in this case they are not, at least uh, so far. So that's cool. So I wanna um just prove to you my point of why I won't be using this journal by reading the four titles of the recent research papers that are on machinelearning.apple.com. All right? Go for it. Paper one, layer-wise data-free CNN compression. Paper two, RGBX classification for electronic sorting. Paper three, emphasis control for parallel neural TTS. And paper four, ACE-band former, Detector-free image matching with adaptive span transformer. So if you want, my friend, if you want to use that, <laughs> you go right ahead. But I tell you right now, I won't understand a word of any of that. <laughs> but if you look at the images and you skim it, I bet you can find some clues. I don't know. Okay, you got to treat it like know. a children's book from our perspective. Like, let me just look at the photos right. here and <laughs> see if there's anything I or understand. Maybe like a children's book, I can have you read it to me, you know? And I'll just look at the images and you can read it to me. Okay. I'll think about it. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Indeed. Before I read this out, I'm going to tell you a story. I was driving the other day because I've been driving you around town mm -hmm. and we passed... That's not the only reason you drive. I mean, you, you know, I'm driving a lot more since you're in town, there but you. driving by this restaurant is currently closed for renovation and on their sign, it's like, oh, you know, close for innovation. And then under it, we are hiring. Check us out on Indeed. Because Indeed is the hiring partner that you can trust. They know it. We know it. Mm -hmm. Now you know it. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. 
You don't want to spend hours on multiple job sites, stringing stuff together, looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Find top talent fast with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. And if you hate waiting, like many of us do, Indeed's U.S. data shows that over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. Instant Match really is incredible. As soon as you sponsor a post, you'll get a short list of quality candidates and you can invite them to apply right away. So join more than 3 million businesses worldwide using Indeed to hire great talent fast. Indeed knows that when you're doing everything for your company, you can't afford to overspend on hiring. So you want to visit Indeed.com slash connected. That's I-N-D-E-E-D. Indeed.com slash connected. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Our thanks to Indeed for the support of the show and Relay FM. So it is the... We're right on the verge, the eve of new iPhones delivering, and a bunch of reviews went up today. Mike, you and I got to spend some time watching them in my office, which was cool. Uh, we watched a couple by The Verge, MKBHD, a bunch of other people. Understandably, I think the iPhone 14 reviews are pretty cool when compared to the 13. And I was watching these reviews, and I had a thought of like, most people aren't going from a 13 to a 14. Most people shouldn't. But if you're on a an 8 or something, and it's time for a new phone. If you're on a 10R, uh, the 14 is a huge step up. It's a hard product to review, right? Because like, if you're reviewing phones every year, you can only mentally compare it to other phones from the previous years. And so it's complicated. It's a very complicated thing to do. I assume, right? Like we all just compare like this phone to the last phone because we're like on that train. But realistically, I don't know how you could create a compelling video review trying to compare this phone to the iPhone 8 or whatever. Like, I don't know how people do it. But Yeah, that sort of thing I think is is better suited for written reviews. Like, I know Jason and others have done that of like, if you have a 10, you know, this is what you get if you mm-hmm. go to this phone or that phone. But clearly the more interesting phone any way you cut it, is the iPhone 14 Pro. Uh, I was struck by people's different takes on the Dynamic Island. Uh, some people found it really like interesting and intriguing. Uh, Neil Patel at The Verge said that the iPhone 14 Pro was like beginning of new ideas for the iPhone. But it seems like your interaction with it may be a little bit different than we anticipated, too. Yeah, the the thing that Nilay Patel pointed out was uh, that by uh, it's the default behavior of the island, right? Where Apple says when you tap on a on what's the name of a something that lives on the island, like a, like an accessory, a widget, like the, the, an activity, I guess. When you tap on an activity, the single tap launches the associated app, and long press expands the notific the activity into a bigger live activity so the idea is the behavior is kind of like a mix of a widget and a notification meaning when you tap it like a widget it launches the app when you long press it like a notification it expands and Eli said 
I think it should be the reverse, where when you tap it, it expands to show you more. When you long press it, it launches the app. And I can imagine how that suggestion must have, you know, I wonder how the, the, the people at the human interface, guy, uh, human interface design team at Apple feel about that because long pressing to launch an app is like, a, you know, unheard of on iOS. And, you know, to long press to launch an app on the iPhone. I don't think we've ever had that. So, you know, in Apple's, in Apple's way, long press expands. A tap launches. So, I don't know. I guess I'm curious to to see what it feels like in practice. Yeah, it, it's it may be one of those things that we internalize really quickly. And I think your point about long pressing to get into an app is just not a thing anywhere. I think that makes a lot of sense. And and I would imagine that was sort of the the guiding principle when when putting these actions together. The thing that I'm I think most interested in, in seeing is is how this plays out once third-party developers have access to it. Because, I mean, as we all get our phones in a couple days, it's going to be basically anything that uses the now-playing widget. So, like, in the Verge videos, like, oh, Spotify works. Like, yeah, because it's using the now-playing stuff. But it's going to maybe be a little while before we see some of the more interesting use cases of it. That, that's not unlike lock screen widgets or regular widgets or anything else we've seen. But because this is present on every single screen you ever see on your phone, I think that transition may be a little more noticeable than than some others we've had. I think in that, like with the Dynamic Island too, though, there's like these two waves that we'll get. Like the initial getting it, seeing how it works with the stuff that Apple's got built in and liking it for that, we get used to it. And then follows the iOS 16.1 when third part isn't it like you get it all over again if you happen to have one of these phones of like learning the usefulness of it mm -hmm. uh one thing i really liked that neilai said was um did we spent the whole time like he spent the whole time saying like oh you don't pay any attention to the notch after a while like you just forget about it but like the dynamic island you are actually supposed mm -hmm. to notice it yeah you got to visit the island yeah and it's just like know? a very it's like very different he also said that everything works better in dark mode which got a big cheer mm -hmm. from me is like a 100 dark oh, mode all the time i haven't even told y'all about my experiment i've been running okay so i've been trying the thing where the phone is in light mode during the day and night mode at night or dark mode at night i kind of like it Oh, okay. I did notice that you had some apps light, and it was upsetting to me. Yeah, I, I, I was dark mode only for a long time. I dropped my water bottle, and I was kind of thinking about, yeah, maybe I should change this up. There's uh, something that you I... Know? Live in the moment. If it's a day moment, live in the day. If mm. it's a night moment, live it up at night. There's something that I wanted to check in with Mike briefly. Okay. I kind of wanted to get your uh, your pulse on how you feel about something very specific. Um <laughs> <laughs> It's one of those things that I know you you uh -huh. very much like. How do you feel about people on Twitter after Jason's, uh -uh. Uh, the, uh, let's say, unofficial renaming of the notch? Everybody else trying to come up with these funny nicknames for the Dynamic Island and uh, an associate. Don't need it. <laughs> It already has a funny nickname. Yeah, it already has a name. What you got to give it a name for? <laughs> like, the Notch didn't have a name, right? It You've was... seen the tweets, though. You know what I mean? Like, everybody's now trying to come up oh, with, yeah. like, oh, and so this is called that. And it's like, please stop with the nickname. We don't need yeah. it. Like, we have a name. The name is the Dynamic Island. You can call it The Island. I think that's acceptable. Okay. 
Okay. Uh, my favorite was MKBHD. You called it Dynamic Island, baby, yeah. which I just like that he said it. I don't know why yeah. he said it, but he said and it And he like had that. a surfboard over his shoulder yeah. in the shot. That's great. So Dynamic Island is more than enough, okay. right? We don't need to give it another name. Okay. Mm. Like, I actually, I can't remember who, who it was that I saw say this of like that giving it a brand was actually a benefit for Apple of like that they, they, because of things like the notch or whatever, they didn't want people to call it anything. Like it just was. But then it got away from them because people could just call it whatever they wanted to call it. But now, like, no, this is called the Dynamic Island. We have named it. So you don't need to worry about naming it. Yeah. I am 100% on Camp Apple with this one. Stop it. It has a name. You know, we've got it. I'm excited about visiting the island in a couple of days. Thoughts on the always on display? I'm really surprised in the video how little difference there is between the phone being on and the phone being in, you know, kind of the, the lower state. In fact, something we talked about a couple of weeks ago is like, well, will notifications disappear when you're in always on display mode? They do not. They are still there. And I just, I find it interesting that Apple waited until they could do it. I mean, effectively, it's like the Apple Watch, right? If you mm-hmm. if you have an Apple Watch that supports this, you'll know the difference between on and always on is not very big. And in the reviews we watched, it was confirmed that uh, as as we knew before, right? If it's in your pocket or if it's face down or if you're wearing an Apple Watch and you walk away, the screen will go off completely, which is really cool. If you use a sleep focus mode, the screen goes completely off. So that may be a way for people to get into sleep focus is like if their screens lit up all the time. But it is um, it's just surprising to me that Apple has been able to preserve so much of the color and really the detail of the wallpaper in Always On. And in his video, Marquez said that he's actually planning on turning it off, that he doesn't find it as useful as, as I think I will. So I'm curious how that plays out as we all experience it over the next couple of weeks of... Is this something that some people really like can't live without? And I think there could be other people who just say, ah, yeah, you know, it's fine. Um, in anticipation of this, I was going to tell you, I actually bought a new charging stand for my desk because right now I use the the Studio Neat uh, material, material dock. dock that's just flat. And they, they announced a new one a couple of days ago that yep. brings your phone up to an angle so you can see the screen better. So I have one of those on its way. Oh, cool. Because I think it, it is going to be really useful. It's kind of like the the idea of the iPad status board. I'm like, no, I'm like, Mike, I know you have talked about it. David Sparks has talked about it. The phone can kind of be that too now, right? Like mm-hmm. if you just want your weather and your next calendar event always visible, uh, I think it's going to be great. But yeah, just I think it's really cool the way they've done it. I'm considering not, my, not pop socketing. Really? Mm. Just going full natural? I'm thinking about it. Why? What did PopSocket do to you? No, PopSocket did nothing. It's like, because this all this thing about putting your phone on these MagSafe chargers now. They so elevate not, the phone. Like, so not only thing. are you going to give up your PopSocket, you're going to finally accept that you can wirelessly, wirelessly charge your phone safely. I don't believe I'll be able to do it safely, but I'll give it a go. Hmm. <laughs> Uh, I've got, I brought with me for the new phone, I have a MagSafe pop socket. Nice. So that's going to be like my first step, right? And that like, I'll be able to take it off more easily and maybe I'll, won't use it anymore. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I don't know if I still need it as such. Um, 
but it feels like it, it. My life is just becoming harder and harder with the pops. Like it's hmm. stuck to it all the time. There's just like things I want to try and do and I can't do. Oh them. yeah. Oh, I can. I have some real time follow up. Okay. From six months ago. That's a long. Your time. phone is definitely cracked. Your screen looks terrible. Oh, I know, but no, but like I know Apple doesn't it. believe you, but mm. I believe you. Thank and you. If I were staying at that Genius Bar, I would have deemed it cracked. Well, when I get the new phone, I'm gonna try again. You know, I've got a baseball bat in here. I mean, I will do it. I'll break it. Like, I will break it. If they say no, I'll just break it and just yeah. go for it. Well, you didn't hear that, Apple. Forget it. Camera upgrades. Really interesting. So, MKBHD is like, this is the best camera around right now. The Verge seemed a little less excited about it. Um, in some cases, they're saying it could be pretty inconsistent. But it, it can deliver excellent shots or some inconsistent shots. So I don't know what to think, but I'm still remain very excited about the camera because I want some of the extra features. Uh, in general, I'm, I'm after seeing all of these, I'm really excited for this phone. I cannot wait for Friday. Like it looks awesome. I'm very into it. Uh, Federico, what is your? Give me a hype check, please. Uh, I'm hyped. I can't wait. I okay. I really really want to play around with the with the island stuff and. I know the camera improvements look good to me. Uh, some some photo comparisons were kind of strange in in some of the reviews, like you know the office meme, like uh, corporate wants you to find the picture between this picture and this picture. They're the same picture. Yep, yeah. Yeah. Some some photo comparisons feel like that, um, but uh, like overall, I'm hyped. the The purple color looks great. I think. And the island is uh, exactly my kind of stuff. So yeah, uh, much more hyped than the 12 and the 13, personally. Much more hyped than the 12 and the 13 or the 12 to the 13? Both, Both. of them. Oh, Both of them. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. They're doing something Steven, new and check, weird and, and fun. And, yep. you know, yes, yep. I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited too. I'm very excited about the camera stuff and I think that Neilai's right that the the island this concept that like the iPhone home screen can become more alive and animated and helpful contextually is really interesting. And I think it's also interesting that we got it really a few years after we got widgets. You know, this feels like in a weird way kind of the next step for that stuff and like and don't hear what I'm not saying uh, widgets 100% should be interactive. Like we should have more from that technology as well. But this kind of is like rounding out the story. I think that, you know, the home screen has gone from this, this static grid of icons to something that is much more customizable, flexible, and useful. That's really exciting to me. And so I'm excited for this phone, but I'm also excited for what it could mean in the future. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hyped, baby. I'm ready for Saturday to get mine. I think that's it. I think that's it. We'll we'll talk about the phone more next week when we have them. But uh, hopefully we all have them. At least me and Stephen will have them. I don't know what Federico is going to do. He's just going to like go and shake down all the Italian apples. Improvise. I will mm-hmm. improvise. He's going <laughs> to improvise. He's going to cut a hole in the top of his phone and fill it with sand and call it an island. It's the dynamic. If you want to find links to the stuff we spoke about, head on over to the website relay.fm/slash/connected/slash/415. While you're there, there's a bunch of stuff you can do. The most important thing right now, though, is to donate. Go to stjude.org slash relay and donate to St. Jude's life-saving work. Don't miss us all. All three of us will be there on the podcast That's Friday, September 16th from 12 to 8 p.m. 
Eastern U.S. time on Relay FM's Twitch channel. If you want to get in touch, uh, you can do that. You can find us all online. Mike is on Twitter as I-M-Y-K-E. You can find Federico there as Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I, and you can follow me online as I-S-M-H. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Fitbod, Bombus, and Adid. Until next time, guys, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Cheerio. Bye, y'all.